Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 40. And boys, I hope that you have a stiff and mighty drink for this episode because this is a come to Jesus moment for the Seahawks organization. Sam, I usually start with Justin, so I'm going to start with you tonight. How are you doing? How are you recovering? And what are you sipping on? Well, I'm doing okay. I'm definitely not recovered from the Seahawks loss. That was pretty awful. And uh, part of the reason I'm doing okay, I had a nice weekend away in Cleelum with some good friends. Nick Persia turned 30. Happy birthday, Nick. Happy birthday, Nick. I guess in honor of his birthday, he gave me a gift a while back, some Skip Rock Distillers straight rye whiskey from Snohomish, Washington, the hometown. So I'm giving that a little sip. 43% 43% alcohol by volume. I'll fit the bill for this, this podcast here. Cause it's going to be a rough one. <laughs> it will be, it will be Justin. How you doing? My man. <sighs> not good. Not good. As it turns to see how I am uh, not a happy camper. Uh, you asked uh-huh. if I had a stiff and, or you asked us if we had stiff and mighty drinks. I definitely not. I don't think a black cherry Bud Light seltzer is stiff or mighty. <laughs> it's about as stiff and mighty as the Seahawks defense. We'll just say that. God damn it. We're still on the seltzers. And that's a limp dick defense. Let me say yeah, that right yes, now. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, that's a limp dick drink. Well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> I, say, uh, but wait, was it black cherry? I'm a sucker for black cherry things. Uh, this is black cherry, yes. Oh, okay. Black cherry is good. Black cherry ice cream sounds pretty good. Do you like um, black cherry like Coke, like growing up and stuff? Too? Oh, yeah. 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 Tastes really good with big... my Jack Daniels growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Attaboy. Attaboy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, I'm. I am on the whiskey train tonight as well. Uh, I'm pulling, pour, pouring a large glass of Bullet Bourbon that I'm going to definitely regret in the morning. But it's not the morning right now, and I need to get myself through this podcast first. So I'm here. I'm here in the present, living in the present, drinking a uh, nice tall glass of Bullet Bourbon, straight, neat. I like it. Bullet is legit. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. Uh, tough one. Really, really tough one on Sunday. And um, I think I think all of us predict, predicted it to be a tough game. Vikings came in 0-2. Uh, obviously, they, they prevail over the Seahawks 30-17, was it? Yeah, 30-17. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Uh, Seahawks at one point were up 17 to seven, and then the Vikings scored 23 unanswered points. We might not be a good team, guys. Um, I don't. Are you guys feeling that way right now? Like, I, that's how I'm feeling. I'm it's week three, but I'm feeling like we might not be a good team this year. Sam, since you're negative, Nancy, why don't you go first? 
Oh, negative Nancy already. All right. Well, let's yeah. just wait. Don't throw stones when you live in a glass house. Wait till you get through this episode. I'm sure you'll be feeling all peaches and cream. I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I I don't think this is a very good team. This whether it's like a good team talent wise, we can argue that all day. I think offensively we have what it takes to be a good offensive team, but game plan wise, what we put out there on defense was an embarrassment to American football. Mm -hmm. Like what are we just playing walkthroughs in the hotel lobby, given 10, 15 yard cushions to wide receivers. I could have had the game Kirk cousins had. Oh, don't worry though. We're not giving up the big play, Sam. Oh my gosh. I mean, that, that is just ridiculous what we saw out there. I can't believe it. So if we're going to run that defensive scheme, like uh, Tim Tebow would kick our ass throwing the ball with what we saw. And like, part of me doesn't even want to go on like this whole tirade of knocking Trey flowers in particular. Obviously he's had a shit season and he didn't play good in this game either, but it's like, those defensive backs, I don't know if they can just like rebel against what they're being told to do, but holy shit, you cannot be just letting people go for a walk in the park and cat, you know, what was their, what was their average yards per catch or shit at this point per play even? I mean, they're, it was a lot. It had to have, yeah, it had to have been yeah, 10 11, plus. 11 yards per catch. That's ridiculous. I mean, look at their wide receivers. The they first, one... first down every every time they put yeah. the ball in the air. Uh -huh. for completion. One, two, three, four, five guys caught a ball for them, which isn't crazy amount. It's pretty low, honestly. But their the their respective long catches for all five of them: twenty-eight yards, seventeen yards, twenty-three yards, twenty-one yards, fifteen. Keep yards. it in front of you, baby. Holy shit, Ben! But none of those break. were sixty yards, though, right? None of those <laughs> were sixty yards. Yeah, but they're all 15 plus. That's insane to have all five receivers have at least one explosive play. And the Seahawks so, had something similar, right? To be fair. Well, yeah, the Vikings D isn't good probably. either. So yeah. it's not a measuring stick. But yeah, and like, yeah how, how, we only how many more plays did the Vikings run than the Seahawks, too? Oh, probably a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the thing, that's one of the things that is just mind-boggling for me and and i didn't watch the entire game i was listening to it on radio doing some work around the house but like i'm looking here at the stats to your point justin on the seahawks side like offensively our stats don't look that bad how did we only score 17 points you have 80 yards from chris carson i guess 30 of them came on one touchdown run but he averaged 6.7 yards per carry good and then DK Metcalf, six receptions, 107 yards, touchdown. Gerald Everett, we got the tight ends involved for 54 mm -hmm. yards. Will Disley had 39. Got the running backs involved. Travis Homer, 48 yards. All that came on, you know, one target for 31 yards. But Tyler Lockett was a bit quieter. I know he got hurt, but that was later in the game, I think. Yeah, so it was pretty much over at that point. One of you that watched this, like, please help make sense to me how we only scored 17 points. Yeah, can I answer that, Connor? And then you can yep, go for chime it. In. No, please. Um, here's what happened, Sam. When your defense is on the field for so fucking long, every offensive possession is put under the microscope. And you have to feel as an offense, if you don't do 
everything, every possession, you're going to lose the game. And so just to take you through the game, uh, we had a scoring possession opportunity. Every possession, we had the ball in the first half. Um, we had touchdown, field goal, touchdown, and then a missed field goal from Jason Myers. End of half. So should have had 20 points, had 17. Every, every possession was a scoring drive. After halftime, so the Vikings get the ball back at the end of half. So they had a 12-play, 66-yard drive to basically end the half with 16 seconds left. They come back and have an eight-and-a-half-minute drive coming out of halftime. That's not good. Very, very bad. A lot of time. That's a Sam and Madden after halftime drive eat up most of the third yeah quarter. so in madden you have five or six minute quarters and i don't get the ball back to midway through the fourth quarter that's what happens when <laughs> i play you uh we punt the ball admittedly not a good drive so let's let me tell you what happens in that drive right like so justin you know the offense is bad we punt the ball russell wilson sucks trade him he's a top 20 quarterback at best um he has one incompletion. He was sacked for nine yards, offensive line, giving up huge pressure from Everson Griffin. Russell had really no chance on that play. Um, and then you're at a third and 19. We have to punt, right? So that's that. They go on another field goal over a five-minute drive. So we're in the fourth quarter already. Um, so it's 27-17. So we've touched the ball once. We had one sack. We got a first down and then a sack that ended our drive. And that's all we've touched the ball for two minutes in the second half, Sam. Next drive is a punt. And let me tell you about this punt because I'm really pissed off about this punt. And this is the one instance you can blame Russell Wilson in the entire game, the one. Uh, so we're moving down the field. We get there. Uh, there's a play, et cetera. Um, we're at a third and seven. Russell Wilson, he has pressure in his face, but he has a wide open Freddie Swain down the middle that he throws probably a yard too, too high and too far. Uh, Freddie Swain, if that was DK Metcalf, that's probably a catch, but he's a little smaller, got his left palm out there, but couldn't bring it in. It's now fourth and seven, Sam. The Vikings offense have been absolutely rolling you and steamrolling you and planning you on your ass the entire game. What does Pete Carroll do? He punts the ball, right? Fourth and seven. And his reasoning is that if we punt the ball or if we go for it there and we don't get it, we'd probably lose the game is Pete Carroll's reasoning. What he says on 710 ESPN to the great and mighty Mike Sock this morning. Oh, geez. What what does Minnesota do on the next drive after we punt the ball, you ask, Sam? 12 plays for 88 yards over seven minutes on their next drive and the game is over at 30 17 and we turn it over on downs the next play the next drive so that is the entire second half we lost this game because the defense cannot get off the field and make the play and like you said going through those wide receiver stats we were giving up 10 yard completion after 10 yard completion after 10 yard completion whenever the vikings wanted it i'll stop there to let someone else talk that's pretty sad yeah, essentially, essentially the offense was not on the field is is essentially why we only scored 17 points. We had, and, we, we and, had the ball for and, six minutes in the second half. Holy yep. shit. And, mm-hmm. and, and, when, and when they were on the field, when, when you're off the field for that long, it's really hard to get into a rhythm on offense. Like you need to continuously be on the field to really get in a rhythm on offense, especially after your like scripted plays are done at the beginning of the game. 
first first drive of the game, you see him drive right down the field. The one thing I did, I, I will say the one the one complaint that I will have with the offense, they go to DK three times on that first drive. He gets three more receptions the rest of the game after that first drive. He was he was on pace for a massive game. Yeah, I have such a hard time blaming the offense this game for anything. Yes, they have. Oh, some, I'm not. I'm, and not I'm perfect. not. They were. And not I'm perfect, not. Right. I'm like, not. Russell, if there's one complaint, though, why did DK not stay involved in the offense? Sure. Continuously after that, like he was obviously dominating Patrick Peterson. He was dominating Breland, whoever was going up against him at that corner position for the Vikings had no chance. So I, I just don't understand why he like we weren't just feeding him basically in this game. Um, but it definitely goes all all goes back to the defense. And I don't I can't even think of a single player on defense that played well. There wasn't one. There wasn't on one player. Like every player that I think of, it's like, no, they had like a really shitty play here Dude. or they Jamal yes. Adams had 12 tackles, though. Oh, don't give me that. Oh, my God. He had one of the worst. So I, I think it was Madison Connor. It was so I, bad. Uh, he was going for oh, a tackle on the sideline. It was like I was, you know, going to tackle your player and Madden. And I accidentally hit yep. instead of tackling. He's like launching himself like a minnow at the player with no arms out trying to wrap up or anything. That just, you know, there were a lot of plays that, you know, just summed up how his play. He is up, having, you know, he's, he's looked, looked zero, looked really zero. Bad. Okay. I overreacted last week. He hasn't looked. He hasn't looked like awful. Okay, I I think awful is probably a bad term, but he has had zero playmaking ability on defense, which is what we paid him to do. Like he has not. He has not made one difference for. Like he has not been a difference maker on this on this defense at all. No. He had a he had a couple nice tackles and on on like some running plays. That's like the best that I like. That's the most credit that I can give him. I think from this last game against against the Vikings. Yeah, because if he missed that, it probably would have been a touchdown. So yeah, I, I yeah, guess I sure. guess so. After you know they just it, run right past everyone. Yeah, else. It, yeah. The dude's talented. Like you see him fly all mm. over the field and stuff. But like he, I don't know if it's schematic. I don't know if it's him just obviously not living up to the hype but boy that contract does not look like a good decision right now no. um because bradley mcdougal could be having a bigger impact on this defense well than... well well i don't know about that but yeah yeah it's not good i mean would have you would he have missed any of the plays that jamal adams made probably not i don't know he's been really bad this year too mcdougal but I mean, you talk about defense and the Ken Norton Jr. being bad or the sch- we'll get into the game plan and et cetera. But another aspect of this, guys, is, you know, well, including Jamal Adams in this conversation because he has to, is really drafting or drafting a first-round talent. Oh, my God. Jordan run- Brooks looked like trash on Sunday. He looked absolutely like a trash can, yeah. Uh, can I – I'm going to run through this real quick. Oh, here we go. It's worth so, it. Can I re- can I refill my glass real quick? Hold on, let me yeah. finish this. So 2013, 14, 15, which is probably going back too far. We didn't have a first round pick, right? But we are also in the midst of Super Bowl years and all that. So it's all yeah. forgivable. 
Jermaine Effetti, first round pick 2016. Guys, how'd that work out? Not good. Not good. He was a starting right tackle. Technically, yes. Right. But he was, was a he for the Bears. Live Bears. Bears are bad. He was bad. Bears are really bad. Um, 2017, we didn't have a first round pick, but our first pick of that draft, I believe, was McDowell, if I'm not mistaken. And who uh, got picked like three picks after him? Sam, why don't you inform our audience? Uh, oh, maybe only the fucking best safety in the league. You hear that, Jamal Adams? Mr. Buddha Baker. Yeah, I don't think it's arguable that Buddha Baker is more impactful and a better safety than Jamal Adams. Um, Pure safety, at least. Um, 2018, Rashad Penny. That looks like a great pick. We really needed another running back on the roster because running backs are so important and so worth first-round picks. He might be Uh, active this next week. A few picks after Rashad Penny. was it no no this is the next year sorry yeah uh so Rashad Penny yeah it goes that's fantastic 2019 oh boy this is a real bad one LJ Collier uh spent his first year almost all inactive uh, might also be active this next week (laughs) guess we draft people that are going to be active next week Uh, I mean possibly maybe uh yeah so almost all inactive and this is the year uh sam a few picks after lj collier in the first pick of the second round who was taken uh one of the brightest youngest upcoming cornerbacks cover corners in the league byron murphy who i think he had a pretty good game last week he he? did and connor do you think that's a position of need for the seahawks yes Okay. Uh, 2020 Jordan Brooks, one of the worst PFF graded uh, linebackers last year, which I think is a little unfair to be fair to hit Jordan Brooks. I think there's some talent there, but this week in particular, he looked really, really bad. Um, I think he's not being coached. Well, I agreed. We can get into that in a second. So, and then 2021 and 2022, because we are on the topic, Jamal Adams is our first round pick. So we don't have one. So we have not rebuilt when we've had the chance. And when we've had the chance, we have not picked well and so it not only is the players that we have it's also the coaching and the drafting that we've had and we give john shiner and pete carroll a lot of credit because they built a really good and a super bowl winning team back in the day um but lately and not even lately the past half decade has been straight horrible that's all i have it's been awful you know what i'm sick and tired of I'm sick and tired of Pete Carroll being so stuck up in his ego and his pride to accept the fact that the DBs and the DB coaches just north at UW are better coached, better talented than the DBs you got on your field. And we can't, why won't we draft them? We need them. We draft them and we missed on all the good ones. We could have picked any one of them and we picked worse picks ahead of them every year. To be fair, Sam. We have one of them on our roster right now. Well, I would love to see him fucking play. Yeah, he hasn't seen the so field. And, and uh, Pete Carroll, after the game, I believe it was after the game and not this morning, was yep, asked, what is keeping Sidney Jones from playing or what's keeping, yeah, what's keeping Sidney Jones off the field? And he quote, uh, quote, end quote, says, not much. So what the Super fuck were insightful. you saying? What the fuck were you seeing during the game that, hey, you know, let's not give Sidney Jones a, a, a series and see what happens? Yep. Because I wasn't seeing a lot of Trey Flowers or DJ Reed, for that matter. Or, mm-hmm. and especially, sorry, and especially Ugo Amadi, who had one wow. of the worst games of any pro player I have ever seen. <laughs> I, that's wow, not that's being dramatic. Statement. That it was, yeah. it was awful. No. 
when his, you get his put on penalty, his holding penalty was the the changing moment in that game. Yeah, and he got put on skates by uh, Kirk Cousins, and that's not a good look. <laughs> Kirk Cousins looked like Hall of Famer, ten time Super Bowl winning quarterback against us. Yeah, pretty much. His first win against Russell Wilson. Well, I so, wouldn't say it was against Russ, but <laughs> so so guys, yeah. I mean, not only is it talent, but clearly the coaching is an issue. So what adjustments do you see happening? I've talked a lot. I want you guys to talk. What blow it up. Is it and on that point, like I want to ask both of you guys, is this is this like the end of an era? Like is the, is this the beginning of the end right yes. now? You are watching it. Yes. Do you feel that know. way too? I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question, but like, I, I want to, I want to know if you think this is like the beginning. Of I, the end. I don't because we're in such an offensive league. So I don't think it's mm-hmm. the end of an era. I don't know if we have a good team this year to be fair, but I don't know if it's the end of an era per se. Well, I mean, if we don't have a good team this year, does Russ really want back on the team next year? I don't know. He's making a lot of money. We well, can make a lot of money anywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah could, but it's he harder. Could, he He's in a contract. Really yeah, he could, but I don't know that he will. I mean, they have a nice house here. Sierra and him make good TikToks. I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. He'll probably stay. Um, to answer your question, though, Justin, can you repeat your question? God, it's like where do it? we? What do we? Where do we where go, do we go from, from here? So, like, you know, we have, you know, we have players on our roster. Do we need to yep. get free agents? Because we're still, we're one and two. The season's not over. Clearly, um, yeah. I mean. Seven teams make the playoffs now. It's, you know, very, uh, very likely we can still make it. Do we play new players? Do we have to get new coaching? Do we scheme it different? Do we have to not just sit there and play cover three every play? Like, what do we yeah. do? Yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing you have to change is the scheme. Like, you, like this cover three basically prevent defense on every snap is not going to work with the personnel that you have. We also have to put our players in the right positions to to succeed. We're dropping like our best pass rushers into coverage on random ass plays. Alton Robinson, Benson Mayoa are like dropping back. What the fuck? Are you serious? <laughs> it's probably not a good idea with shitty corners. Usually you want to get pressure so the corners don't look as terrible as they are. Correct. Usually. Which the pass I mean, what rush I has though? also been a zero since week one. Mm-hmm. So get that shit together. Like that that's 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 honestly probably the easiest way that you can fix this defense is start generating pressure. You did it with Jamal Adams last year. Maybe that's what you have to do again this year. Figure yeah. it out. Like you might have to blitz Jamal on 60% of snaps and it's shitty because I think I think his talent goes above that, but that seems to be the way that he's best utilized in this defense is as a blitzer. He's sucked this year as a blitzer, but they have they have not blitzed him that much either. So um I, I mean if if you're talking outside help, you know, I mean there's there's obviously a guy down the street uh who was an all pro for many years here in Seattle, probably made the biggest play in, in franchise history that um it's only a phone call away but it sounds like uh some other teams are are doing more due diligence in that area than than the, than the seahawks are and um 
I don't know if that's just stubbornness, like tail between legs, don't want to do that, or if they seriously believe in the guys that they have on this roster. I know for a fact that I have way less faith in the guys on this roster than I do in someone like Richard Sherman. So, yeah, I think you need to be turning that rock over for sure. I think what I want to see, I it, Richard Sherman's available. He's been outspoken about wanting to come back to the Seahawks is something that he's open to. I think got to try to get him back in the door. You got to let Sidney Jones see what he can do. He's been with the team now for three weeks, three and a half weeks. So yeah, you got to think that he's ready to play. Him. You got to throw him out there. And, you know, I would be really cautiously optimistic to have a, a you know, our three starters be DJ Reed, Sidney Jones, and Richard Sherman. I think that in the second half of the year, they could gel together. I think you have more upside with those three than you do with the three that we put out last week for damn sure. So I think you have to try to address that. Maybe you try to make an in-season trade and get another corner somehow, some way, but it's like we didn't make any moves in the offseason when there are free agents out there to be got. I mean, outside of our shit experiment with Akello Witherspoon, who is my candidate for breakout player of the year, but he's not even apparently on the roster. Not- it's apparently not as good as these guys that were shown that are thrown out, which I don't believe. I, I don't know what happened there. I mean, he didn't I mean, look he didn't good look in, like preseason. in preseason. I mean, he did it to be fair. He looked pretty bad, but yeah. But he could have done what Trey Flowers did this week. Oh, sure. Easily. I would, I would and so I think you have to make changes in the defensive backfield, especially at the corner positions. You have to make something happen. And then, yeah, the pass rush, we got to figure something out. I know Carlos Dunlap is getting older. He was really productive for us last year, but I know when that cliff comes, it is a drop off. And so I don't know if it was just like light on light off type thing for him. We haven't seen shit from him in terms of pass rush. So you'd hope that you could get more production out of a guy like that. I mean, you haven't seen much even out of your acquisition there and carry Hyder. I've liked what I've seen in spurts from Daryl Taylor but he's not also getting as many pass rush looks as I think he's garnered with his play. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure something out. And you, this recipe is one for disaster with no pass rush, dropping defensive end pass rushers into coverage, playing 10, 12 yards off the ball of the receivers. Like you're just giving up. It's just so soft. Like it's yeah. It's really disappointing. What I keep thinking back to is DJ Reed. I think he said five times that Minnesota schemed our ass off. And I just, I just think that's so poor that we don't reevaluate. And even Pete said this morning about how the corners were frustrated. It's all just typical cover three stuff. Like you have to adapt in this league. Mm -hmm. You notice say in the first drive in the second half, giving all sorts of wiggle room in that but by then you need to figure out a different defense to play and you could get burned in man-to-man maybe playing cover two whatever it is but bringing pressure with linebackers etc but you can't run the same thing into oblivion because that's what the definition of insanity right when you try things multiple times and it doesn't change so mm-hmm. i don't know maybe being the oldest head coach in the league is getting to him i don't know what it is but it's uh his stubbornness could cost this team for sure. Yeah. I mean, do you blame 
I think you probably just answered the question, I guess, that I'm about to ask. But do you do you blame Ken Norton more for this, or do you blame Pete Carroll more for the ineptitude of of this defense? Um, this is a cop out answer. I think Pete Car- I think it's Pete Carroll's defense, so ultimately it falls on him. But I don't think Ken Norton yep. Jr. is a good defensive coordinator. No. Yeah. Basically, why he hired Ken Norton Jr. is because he's a yes man. So right. he's going to fall in line with whatever Pete wants. He's ultimately calling the plays out there. Sure. On defense. So he's not faultless, but um yeah, it's, it's Pete's it's, schemes. To it's, Pete, it's Pete's baby. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've we've chewed we've the meat off the that. as yeah. far as um bitching about this last week and where this team's at right now with a one and two record. Doesn't get any easier for them though. They they travel to San Francisco um, to play the Niners, uh, a two and one Niners team coming off of a heartbreaking loss against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. If we're talking about the series here, the Seahawks do lead the series twenty eight to seventeen, um, and the Hawks actually won both games last year against the Niners. But a lot of that was due to the Niners being not healthy, um, which they've. Not they're they're not very healthy now either, at least at the running back position. Um, but uh definitely healthier than they, they were last year and definitely look look like the talented team that we saw two years ago in the Super Bowl. Who are some players that you're gonna be watching uh that are available on this on this Niners team? Uh Sam. Um I think there's some notable notable guys on this team that we definitely need to be keeping our eyes on that could give this this Seahawks team a lot of troubles. I don't think it's going to take much, at least on their offensive side and our defensive side to give us issues, but who are some guys that you guys circled on paper? Yeah. I think the one thing that'll be interesting is, is the quarterback positional in terms of who we're going to see, but really I'll let one of you guys talk more about that. There's two players on the San Francisco offense that I love and I wish were on our team George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league, in the world, really, at this point. Mm-hmm. And Debo Samuel is my one of my favorite wide receivers. I think he's just so tough. He's a total all-around football player. He can take a, a jet sweep. He can take a handoff in the backfield. He can take the top off the defense. He can run short, intermediate routes. I just think he can do it all. And... I think he's going to have a field day against these corners. And so I think Debo is someone that we've had trouble when he's healthy. We've had a lot of trouble with him in the past. I can see that continuing. And then George Kittle, I mean, Jamal Adams isn't going to be able to guard him. Bobby Wagner's probably too slow, not going to be able to guard him. Like, I don't know who on our defense you can put on him. Like Jordan Brooks is fast enough and has some size, but he's definitely had struggles, particularly in coverage against other tight ends. I mean, we made yep. fucking Conklin look like he was an all pro tight end last week. So you predicted that. Yeah. I mean, that's just what we do tight ends and running backs all day. And I just, those two guys, I think are going to have a big game against the Seahawks defense. They've shown that they've done it against us in the past and based on last week's performance, I think Debo and George Kittle, they got to be licking their chops for sure. So I'll be looking for them. We got to do what we can to try to stifle them, but they both have a lot of talent and pose a lot of problems for a defense that ain't going to have a lot of answers. 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally resonate with that. I think that I'm going to go on the positive side for the Seahawks. The 49ers have a lot of injuries right now, not just on the running back position, but cornerback as well, where they're banged up. Yeah. And, Barrett's out for the year or something, right? Mm-hmm. And Devonte Adams uh, yesterday went for 12 for 132 and a touchdown. Um, that is the Packers only good receiver. We have two. Uh, assuming Tyler Lockett's healthy, which it sounds like he is. Uh, sounds like he's going to be okay. Yep. And so we can exploit them. So watching the 49ers cornerbacks is going to be huge. I think we can really exploit that. Um, and then looking at their offense, I mean, you mentioned Debo Samuel, but someone then, especially in the fantasy football world, that hasn't got a lot of looks yet is Brandon Ayuk. He has a ton of talent, player that we know from the Pac-12. Um but what a better get right week than against the Seahawks corners, right? I mean, getting there, he has tons of talent, speed, and et cetera. I think mm-hmm. he started to play, I think it was his highest snap count by far this last week and had four receptions against the Packers. I think you're going to see more of that. And then with paired with Depot and Kittle, that's going to be really hard to defend, especially for our defense. So I'd watch out for him um, getting breakout with more of the attention on Depot. And if we're sticking on the positive side of things, the 49ers definitely have a uh, quarterback controversy, I would say. Yeah. Um, yes, they do. So having a controversy at the most important position on the field is definitely nothing to scoff at. Jimmy Garoppolo obviously has been starting for them this year, but you know, third overall pick Trey Lance sitting in the wings, and he's he's gotten a little bit more playing time each week. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time. Jimmy had such a crucial, stupid bonehead turnover um, towards the end of the game against the Packers. Ended up leading a drive after that to take the lead, which ultimately they gave up. But um, I know that Niners fans are clamoring for Trey Lance to start. I don't th- think he will in this game, but he'll definitely be in on some packages. Um so it'll it'll be interesting to see what the balance is there, though. I, Trey Lance is, I think he's going to be good. I don't think he's ready yet, though. I, I don't think he's he's shown that he's he's ready yet. And I think Shanahan would be pretty quick to pull the plug on Jimmy Garoppolo, because um, I think he has a very similar relationship to with Garoppolo that Sean McVay had with Jared Goff. We saw what happened there. Um, in LA with the Rams and now they have Matt Stafford. So I think, I think he's going to be pretty quick to pull the plug once Trey Lance actually is ready. I just don't know if he's there yet in week four of his rookie year. If we look at the defense for the Niners um, again, like you said, I think their, their weakest positions are definitely those cornerbacks. So that's something that we should try to exploit on offense but they have a couple of all pros and Fred Warner, uh, possibly the best linebacker in the league and defensive end Nick Bosa, who was out all year last year with an injury, um, but is back and healthy. Um, Probably not having quite the year that he had the year before in 2019, at least at this point, but we know the talent there um, with, with the Bosa name and he's given the Seahawks fits in the past when he has been healthy. So we'll need to make sure that we're blocking him well. Uh, we'll need to make sure that we get a we get a head on the hat of uh, Fred 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 Warner as well in the running game. Um, if we don't block those guys, it could be a long day for us. It could be a very long day for us. 
and they have some other talented pass rushers as well. But Nick Bosa for sure is the is the standout guy there. Yeah, um, you know you're a pretty damn good pass rusher when Connor saying that you probably aren't having as good of a season as 2019 when you already have you know three sacks, five tackles mm-hmm. for loss. He's averaging he a was, sack per game. That's pretty damn he good. Was, he was unreal in 2019, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's probably going to look unreal this week against us. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that we didn't, we haven't really brought up is the offensive line played like kind of shit in the second half too. That that didn't help with the rhythm of the offense. Yeah, in the, in the six minutes that we had the ball, um, all I'm saying is they didn't. No, play no, well. I agree, I'm agreeing. Like with that Everson Griffin play, I think Russ checked a different play, but they absolutely blew our shit up and that ruined that drive. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. even in the Swain, which uh, you know Rusk definitely could have put the ball um, in a better spot. Like they got pressure right up the middle, super quick. So those are big plays in the, and when you have limited plays like that, you're just under the microscope even more and you really need to. Well, and yeah, the Vikings make one adjustment and you don't even have time to react. You don't have time. Yeah. Because you're, you're not on the field long enough. So, right. um, We can complain about lack of in-game adjustments, but you need time on the field to be able to diagnose what's actually going on. So I just don't think that the Seahawks offense was on, on the field enough for, for that to happen this last Sunday against the Vikings. I'm, I'm really hoping they can actually sustain some drives in the second half because we have not seen that the last two games. Um, and blocking both those guys, Fred Warner and Nick Bosa is where that all starts. Turning it over to the Hawks side, uh, who are some players that you guys are watching on the Hawks this, this week? I have, I have a few here, but I don't know if you guys have any others. You can talk off the ones that I have listed here as well. Um, but Sam, who, who are you? Who are you excited to watch this week? Who is going to be a difference maker for the Hawks if they're going to try to win this game? Honestly, at this point, with how sad our defense has looked, both in terms of talent, production, execution, schematically, everything's been so bad on defense. I'm just going to go back to the cliche that, you know, one of the best defenses is an offense that can hold on to the ball. And that's something that we've been really bad at. And, and I put air quotes around, we've been bad at holding onto the ball offensively. And I don't mean that in the sense that offensively we've looked terrible, but a lot of times when we're scoring, we're scoring really quick and yeah. we're not sustaining drives. And that's been a bit of a theme for this offense so far. And I hate to say this. I know Justin's going to be upset about it because I don't think it's the right thing, the right approach for us to be successful offensively. But unfortunately, with how bad our defense is, I think we need to figure out a way to sustain drives running the ball. Chris Carson looked really good in the 12 carries that he had last week. So I would just love to watch and and see the offensive line and Chris Carson get into a little bit of a rhythm and extend some drives and obviously want to put up points. And if that comes by an 80-yard touchdown to Lockett or Metcalf, like I will be the last person to complain about it but I do think that there is something to be said that our defense is so bad. It's I'd want to keep them off the field as long as possible. And if we can do, you know, half of what the Vikings did to us in the second half of last week's game, if we can take a page out of their book and do that to the 49ers this weekend, I think that would be a good sign. Um, Again, like I don't think that this team is built to be a run first team. I don't think anybody, wants to see us come out and pound the rock 30, 40 times this a game. 
But again, with just how bad our defense is, you got to keep them on the sideline and, you know, maybe moving to a little bit more of a focus on running the ball with Chris Carson wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I don't know if I just opened that can of worms for you, Justin, but maybe you You're agree rebuttal, to, to some sentiments. I, I don't imagine I'm so far off base, like kind of scratching for answers as an overall team at this point. So that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind in terms of what I'm looking for. I mean, if you look at the first half of this game, I think all of us here don't have many complaints, right? I mean, you have two touchdown drives, you have a field goal drive and a missed field goal. Like with four drives, when you're only getting four drives on offense, that could be a lot, lot worse. You're yeah. talking just offense, right? Just, uh, just completely offensive. Yeah. Cool. yeah. What you're doing with your drives. I agree. Um, second half, like I already, I already outlined this whole thing. You get sacked, missed pass, don't go for it on fourth down, and basically the game's over after that. Um, so I don't know that I'm going to focus on us running the ball more to have more success. I think I'm just completely focusing on the defense here um, for the key players of the game. And so I'm just going to go the obvious uh, players to watch. Sidney Jones, is he there on snap one or not? Because mm-hmm. that's going to tell me a lot about the coaching staff, honestly. Yep. If they've gone yep. and watched the, watched the film, realized that, you know, we need to make a change somewhere and might as well give another player a shot. If truly there's quote unquote, not much from keeping Sidney Jones off the field, he better be on the freaking field on Sunday against the 49ers. So I'm watching the quarterback group as a whole, hopefully Marquise Blair is back too, because I don't want that late scratch to turn into another missed game and have Ugo Mati sniff the, sniff yeah. the, Levi Stadium at all, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Good special teams player, I guess. So I take that back. Um, and then Jamal Adams. Um, how is he utilized? How hard does he play? And does he play with a head on his shoulders or you just try to play fast and want the big hit? Um, I think that's a huge part of the game and how we can utilize him because he is fast. He is super talented and athletic. But are we having him play traditional safety? Are we having him in coverage? How much are we blitzing him? I think that's a huge, uh, huge factor. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that good. Can we get pressure in his face? Mix up the packages from what we showed, showed the Vikings and the Titans in the second half. Because since that, that's all gone to shit. So um, I want to see changes. I want to confuse Jimmy Garoppolo. I want to get him moving, moving out to his left, get him, get him uncomfortable. And I think if we utilize Jamal Adams in that way, that can help our cornerback group as well. So that's where I'm going to focus our, um, our players, Connor. Do you believe Pete Carroll for a second when he said to the media that they threw everything that they had at the Vikings and just had no response? No, to hell no, no, no. I think it's uh, stubbornness and unwill- unwilling to change more than anything. Correct. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I observed. They were playing the same base. You yeah. saw that every play it was Adam Thielen or mostly Justin Jefferson. He would run like ten or fifteen yards, little like slight post route, stop, curl, throw, whoop, wide open, ten yards, no Seahawk player around him. Yeah. Yeah. Frustrating, frustrating as hell. Um, as far as the defense goes, I, I have a couple players circled. First one, linebacker Jordan Brooks. We've no, we have noted how he has struggled so far this year. I think he played okay week one, but has struggled for the for the most part these last two weeks. And Sam, you mentioned George Kittle. 
possibly going to be lined up against him. I want to see if Jordan Brooks can cover a really, really good tight end. I don't have a lot of faith in it, but I want to see what he looks like against George Kittle. And I think he's going to be put in that position. Uh, I think he's going to be one-on-one with George Kittle a few times in this game. I want to see him live up to his first-round talent. Like, I I don't think he will. I Again, I'm saying this without thinking that it's going to happen, but that's what I want to see. The other guy that I've circled is Carlos Dunlap. We've mentioned the pass rush. He needs to be more consistent. He's your lead dog when it comes to pass rushing. Like, he needs to perform, and he has not at all outside of, I think, a two-point conversion against the Colts. I think he had a sack. That was like it. That's all that's that's the only pressure I believe that you've seen from Carlos Dunlap so far this this season. So he needs to he needs to step it up. This pass rush unit needs to get going. Alton Robinson's another guy that got some increased snap counts this last week, deservedly so, but they need to be actually rushing him and not dropping him into coverage. Give him some pass rushing opportunities. Like that dude's a good pass rusher. And that's what you drafted him to be. On the offensive side of the ball, we mentioned him last week that we thought he was going to play against the Vikings, but he was out a second straight week with a concussion. But D. Eskridge, I think he is the key to a balanced offense. And being able to, you guys mentioned, being able to sustain drives. He's that intermediary guy for you, right? He's that he's that gadget guy that can go on fly sweeps. He can do a lot of things in the screen game for you. Um, he can give you a lot of different looks that Freddie Swain doesn't quite do um, at, at that third wide receiver position. So I, it sounds like he's going to be back. It sounds like he's going to play. Um, and I think that, that that could do wonders for this offense. Now, if we're talking some keys to the game here, I think we've, we've at least gone over this first one. Pressure, pressure Jimmy Garoppolo, right? We got to get the pass rush going. We've we've talked about it from that. We've also talked about how Garoppolo we think is probably not that great, and especially not good under pressure. Um, we've seen it in the past when we played the Niners. If we pressure him, he folds into himself. We saw that game two years ago with Jadavion Clowney, like that unreal mm-hmm. game. Um, and Garoppolo sucked in that game, um, and Clowney was a huge part of that. So. If we can get pressure on Garoppolo, I like I like our chances um, of him making mistakes because we haven't been able to like cause interceptions or turnovers really that much this year, and that could go a long way towards doing something like that. Um, but um, we got we got we got to we got to get one of those guys going. You got to get Carlos Dunlap. You got to get Alton Robinson. You got to see Benson Mayoa build off of his strong end of the year last year. Um, Puna Ford has been kind of, yeah, Daryl Taylor. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Puna Ford's been like basically a nothing this year from the interior. I'd like to see him start to make an impact um, on on defense. Uh, Al Woods has played pretty well, but like he's not really a pass rusher. So want to see us get some pressure though. That might mean blitzing Jamal Adams too. And if that's the way it comes, that's the way it comes. Like I, I just want to see pressure on the quarterback because I'm tired of guys just sitting back there dinking and dunking, cutting us apart because our we cannot cover. We can't. We cannot cover. The only hope our defense has is to pressure the quarterback. 100%. I, 
I think I think that's a major key to the game. I think that's probably the most important thing because I don't think our corner coverage is going to get better overnight. So we right. have to get pressure. Uh, we saw it, you know, I think it goes two ways against the Colts. One, we got more pressure. Two, Carson Wentz is probably the worst quarterback in the league. Um, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say worse, but yeah, he's down, he's there. down there. Bottom five. Yeah. Bottom five. Bottom two. Bottom one. So yeah, he's, he's really bad. Um, Russ is down there too. Yeah, we know whoa, you think that, Connor. Whoa, whoa. Um, so yeah, I mean, we have to get pressure. That is, I think, I mean, that is the key to the game. I have no doubt the offense will score points. Um, the defense needs to get off the field. Plain and simple. Yeah, I think, yeah, totally agree. And then I love our third key to the game here. How about we stop sucking in the second half? <laughs> Or how about maybe let's try to have the offense have more than six minutes in the second half. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be yeah, good. I think the sentiment here is let's have some adjustments. Let's not be so stubborn and stick with the same game plans on both sides of the ball as we did in the first half. Like mm-hmm. this is a big boy league. This is this is the not for fun league. This is the NFL. You play to win the game. Egos get checked at the door. Let's diagnose what happened in the first half, make the necessary adjustments, both offensively and particularly defensively. And we, we just haven't seen that we've in pretty much every game we've played, we've seen significant drop off in production on both sides of the ball coming into the second half. So that's something that needs to be addressed and we need to come out, you know, instead of throwing the jab, let's throw a right hook, mix it up, do something different and try to have some success. And at this point, I don't even care what that looks like. I really don't. I just want to see something different. It's a fair comment. It's super ironic that a Pete Carroll coach team, when he's all about, can you win a game in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, can you win a game in the fourth quarter, that that's when he's losing games. <laughs> it's the second yeah. half. Like he's, His team is not finishing well at all. And no. they're up early in these games. Like They're obviously had a lead for a long time in the Titans game and just completely collapsed. And even in this Vikings game, they're up 17 to seven, not really like in complete control, but definitely had momentum. And Oh yeah. I, I think that was it. It was that drive after that. Ugo has that five yard yep. um, holding mm-hmm. penalty that, for the automatic yes. first down when we had them off the field, like that is the game right there. In a nutshell, we have them off the field. We could be going up, 24 to 7 on them based on how our offense was performing in that first half and they might not they might not even score again in that uh, they probably they probably at least get another touchdown it's probably it's probably 24 14 at half and we're up that's a that's a different game oh for sure oh yeah before we get to predictions i'm gonna ask a rhetorical question that you may answer but um you know, if Pete Carroll is a defensive-minded head coach and our defense is shit, what's the value of Pete Carroll? And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna ask for an answer there, but I mean, you well, don't I already asked answer. You, is, this, is this the end of the era? Like, is this the beginning of the end? Yeah, I feel like we we did right in the middle of that conversation, obviously. So yeah, I don't feel like we've done this topic justice on this episode yet. So I feel like we should spend some time talking about it. And I answered the question. I, that yeah, it's the end of the end of an era. I know it's super early in the season. The other, yeah. the other thread that we have not addressed in this episode yet that we should talk about is 
from the get-go preseason episode, we talked about potentially being two and two after the first four games. And that's still in front of us. I think we've lost to the Titans and the Vikings. Both are top half NFL teams, potential playoff candidates. They're good teams. They're bad matchups for us. And we lost both of them. I think they're both games that we had circled. So I don't want to be jumping to conclusions because I do think that a two and two start isn't necessarily the end of the world, but with all the off season drama with Russell Wilson, I just have the belief that this team has a fragile makeup in terms of its culture, its camaraderie. I think it has been fragile since the Legion of boom, you know, when it's separate ways, losing Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Marshawn Lynch. Ever since this has been Russell Wilson's team, I think it's had a fragile culture makeup. And so if you lose this game, again, we I feel like a broken record because we said this before the Minnesota Vikings game. It's too early for it to be a must win. But when the rest of the NFC West is off to a three and O two and one start and you're sitting at one and two kick the can down the road one more week. I feel like this is a must win. If we don't beat the 49ers, oh, the Niners. Yeah. yeah. If we don't beat the Niners, it's I'm all in on the end of an era and whether that happens this year or not, it's the beginning of the end. And I think this team, whether it starts with Russell or not is going to lose trust in Pete Carroll, the coaching staff, the direction of the team. And I think Justin's points earlier, just around drafting and the the blunders that we've had in the early parts of the NFL drafts for the past handful of years really kind of sets you up for this point. It's like our, our GM hasn't been doing a great job in building a team. And, you know, I personally have feelings that Russell Wilson has had a negative impact on that with his, contract but i do think that this is the be- the beginning of the end and i think that if we don't correct things and come out victorious this sunday i think the the wheels on this train could come off in a really bad way i just went through the seahawks schedule in my worst case scenario glasses and the worst case scenario I had us going was nine and eight. I mean, that's not good enough to get Russ back. No, 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 no. But I'm saying like, we're talking about end of an era and I just went through and our schedule was always really tough in the beginning. Um, so I, I don't think it's an end of an era. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction, but yeah, I mean, I think all the points that you made are accurate um, to a point. I just don't, I just, I don't think we're as bad as we think we are at this point. I think there will be some adjustments. I mean, we saw it last year. Our offense, our defense was horrific. Our offense just happened to be at record pace, which we're not right now. And so it covered up the defense a little bit last year. We had to make some adjustments, which we did a little bit, but not enough, obviously, to win a Super Bowl. So I think they can still happen. But yeah, I'm you know not as confident as I was last week. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but after this week, look who's waiting for you. Los Angeles Rams. Right. I mean, yeah. We could be if, one and four. If you're, you're one right. and four. On a short week. 
that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about on a short week. If you if you end up in that scenario where you're one and four, Not I just good. feel like the makeup of this team is fragile, and you're not coming back from that. Got some leaders on this team, though, Sam. Always Who? compete. Go one and zero every week. I don't think that's happening. That's all corporate speak. I don't buy into that hoorah bullshit. Anyways, uh, should we make some predictions, Connor? Yeah, the only thing I'll, I'll I want to hear before... Connor's. Yeah, I want to hear Connor's yeah. thoughts on that. Well, the only thing I'm going to add is that um, we've been really spoiled for the past decade as Seahawks fans. We could be Jets fans. Hmm. We could be. <laughs> We could be Dolphins fans. We could be Giants fans. Like these are these are all we could be Bengals fans. Like these are all bad franchises. The Seahawks have been a really good franchise. And obviously at the helm of that is is a good quarterback in Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll's had a lot of success here um, as well. Uh, so if this is the end, like of or like the beginning of the end, we've had a hell of a run. I think we can all agree it could have been better. We all lament the fact that Super Bowl 49 happened and the end of that. I think that had a lasting impact on the trajectory of where this team was headed. Could have been a dynasty. But we've enjoyed a lot of success and we've been in the playoffs basically year in and year out. Um, and it again, like you guys said, this season's not over. Like they've made these kinds of adjustments in a season before Justin you were just alluding to that last year especially on the defensive side of the ball so they also didn't get off to a one and two start though last season as well so we did in 2018 and we got to an zero and two start and we still made the playoffs yeah yeah uh, like I said they have done it before they were zero and two I think in like 2014 or something like mm-hmm. when they went to the Super Bowl so I I mean that was a def- much different team than than this team is but Pete Carroll coach teams have done it before. Um, I'm always going to love Pete because he brought a championship to this, this, this team. Um, So I'm always going to love Pete Carroll as a coach. Uh, There's definitely a, a, a clock for everything. And um, I think his time is definitely nearer than, than further out. I don't know if he gets to the end of his contract that he, he signed through 2025. Um, but if he does, that means the team's still having success. So I hope that he does, um, if that means anything. So that's 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 just what I wanted to add to that. It's just like context, basically. Like we look. You know what I, that I, sounds like? You know what that I sounds like to me, Connor? Team. Yes. What? That sounds like somebody that recognizes it's the end. And is looking back on the fond memories yeah. that Pete Carroll yeah, has well, brought I, to us for the past. Well, I mean, decade. that's that's where that's where I'm at right now. But this is the NFL. This can change in a week. This can change in two weeks. If we win the next two games, holy shit, I'm fired up. Like we could win this division. Like those are these are two huge games that we have coming up against division Massive. foes. Yeah, we have not we have not set ourselves up well, but. If we win these two games, who gives a fuck about losing the Vikings? Who gives a fuck about losing the Titans? True. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then we got a we got a long week going into what's the next game? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh. Who's been really bad? 
Yeah, who's super beatable. So and then Saints, um, and that's, then prime, the that's prime time. We got like three prime time games in a row with the the Rams, the Steelers, and then the Saints. um the Saints. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm not writing this season off, but this this is the most discouraged that I've been as a Seahawks fan. I think probably like of the Russell Wilson era. Probably um, pre Pete Carroll. Yeah, I mean that first year wasn't great. They obviously yeah, made but it, you like, weren't like the you weren't like year was, but yeah, but it wasn't but, like you were disappointed. I mean that was a new regime. Sure. Like sure, and I, I mean they had just come off of like a major losing year with Jim Mora. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, it's been a while. Let's just say it's been about a decade since I've I've felt this way about the Seahawks. I think. Um, so I, I, I'm in a low place right now and it, it definitely could continue that trajectory, but it could totally go the other way. And there's a lot of talent on this team to turn it around. I'm interested to see how they respond this week. There's a lot of pissed off guys, I think in that locker room and it's, it's all about how they play on, on Sunday against, against the Niners. So let's, let's go ahead and get our, our predictions. in. I know we're, we're running a little bit long in this episode, I started in the Husky episode, so someone else start. Who whoever wants to go, I'll leave it up to you guys. I'll go, and I'll just add a little bit of a segue there as well. I think if anybody takes anything from this episode, I think Justin spoke the most true sentence of the episode, and and when he said the thing that he'll be looking for is if Sidney Jones is taking the field as first reps. It's a really good team. statement, and I think that. And really what Justin said there was that will tell me a lot about this coaching staff. Mm -hmm. And I think if we see personnel changes in the defensive backfield against the 49ers, I think that's a really good sign that we're at least putting up a fight and we're trying different things. And so kind of depending on what we see there, like if we see more of the same, same personnel, same scheme, like I'm writing, I'm writing this season off, man. And I'm hope I hope that we see some changes there. And I think that'll be like clear as day indicator, whether that happens or not going into my predictions, I'm really low on just what I've seen from this Seahawks team. I really want to predict the 49ers to win here, but I just, I can't do it. I'm too much of a Homer. So I went with the next best thing. And I think Myers is going to redeem himself. He broke his streak of consecutive made field goals. I think he makes a game winner. The Seahawks win a tight, fairly high scoring game, 31 to 30. I have a very similar narrative. Not that I wanted to pick the 49ers, but I think maybe it's just blind hope that we are going to see some adjustments from the Seahawks. We will limit the 49ers scoring possessions. We're going to have more stops. We're going to get the ball more on offense. We're not going to have only eight possessions or six meaningful ones on offense. And we're going to have, give the offense that's one rated one of the best, honestly, on DVOA and EPA for EPA and et cetera. Um, so I have a 30 to 27 win for the Seahawks. I've seen a very similar narrative play out two weeks in a row for the Seahawks and the second one was way worse than the first um and neither one told me that they could 
make super quick adjustments to what I saw, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And as, as optimistic as you guys are, and I love it. I love it, by the way. Um, Shocked you took I'm, mine as optimism. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> a win is optimistic right now. At this yeah, point. Okay. It is. Fair, 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 fair. Um, I'm not predicting that. Uh, I'm predicting a loss and a rather, you know, comfortable defeat uh, for, for the, in favor of the Niners, 31 to 21. I think it's just going to be the same type of game. And I, I hope I'm wrong, but um, this team doesn't give me a lot of a lot of reason to think differently, at least at this point. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Are there any other last last minute things you guys want to say about the Hawks? And Russell Wilson has never Niner. lost three games in a row. Ever. That's true. Yeah, good stat. Um, I will say though, we haven't mentioned this on the podcast, but like his like who is it like mentor or like life coach mm-hmm. just passed away a couple of weeks ago before the Tennessee he, game. Yes. He is. zero and two since that happened. Mm. That's not good. So RIP. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Rip. I don't, I sorry. I, I don't want to do anything else on my computer because my computer has been super leggy, um, <clears throat> but I would look up his, his name, but it's Trevor. Uh, yes. Trevor, yes. Rest in peace to Trevor. Um, definitely a, a tough loss for Russell. I know that he meant a lot to him. He described him as, as his best friend. So, um, Trevor think, Moawad. Moawad? Yeah, I think. Yeah, Cancer, that sounds right. 48 years old. That's really sad. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's weighing a lot on Russell right now. Usually you would think that he would come back like inspired. And he's played well. Like I think he's played fine. So none none of these lot like none of these losses are on him. I would say at this point, um, but uh, definitely not a not a good trend. <laughs> not a good trend since since that happened. So yeah, I mean, I just go back. We really should have won that Titans game. And yeah, if you that Russell was partly to blame for that for sure. I mean, way more than this game. I would yeah. say. Um, I mean, defense as well. I mean, I've defense more so than the, the offense, defense has been to blame all year, yeah. but yeah, the offense have had way more faults in the second half of last week. Um, yeah. God, we'd be feeling so different right now if we were two and one. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we win, if we pull off that game against the Titans, even if it's an overtime and we're two and one right now and, you know, tough game against a Vikings team that was motivated at 0 and two, they'd come off like two close losses, but they're definitely a talented team. You can see the reason for optimism around this group, but that, that Titans loss just stings mm. even more right now. So we'll see how they respond. We'll see how they respond. They've seen, they've done it before. Uh, who's to say they can't do it again. I'm not as optimistic as these two guys are, but I'm totally for whatever these guys are predicting. So the Seahawks can pull it off on Sunday against the Niners. That, that would be, that would do wonders for, for our our trajectory this season all right well thanks for listening folks as always we appreciate the support subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description until next time go hawks